Teach me about the Great Lakes. Teach me about the Great Lakes. Welcome back to Teach Me About the Great Lakes, a twice-monthly podcast in which I, a Great Lakes novice, ask people who are smarter and harder working than I am to teach me all about the Great Lakes. My name is Stuart Carlton, and I work with Illinois Indiana Sea Grant, and no guest host today. We are recording this just before the winter holidays, and everybody is busy running around frantically, and one uh, so they don't really have time to uh, record an interview, which is fine. My way of coping with the end-of-year rush is by doing things that are not my main job. Uh, it's, you know, more fun to do the fun things. Uh, maybe not the best coping mechanism, but it's mine. Anyway, uh, so we're only solo today, but, you know, so we're just going to jump right into it. We got a couple guests coming on to talk about uh, the, the documentary film that I've just seen called The Eerie Situation, which is a, a really neat film about um, algal blooms in Lake Erie, which, of course, is a really important issue uh, uh, to the lake. But also there's some broader points, I think, that they're going to make, that the guests are going to make. Anyway, so that's David Ruck. He's the director. And also on there is Stephanie Gondola, Hall of Famer. Um, she's going to talk about the, the Thunder Bay Film Festival and give you information for checking that out. So we're just going to just jump straight to it. I hope you're having a great new year, and we will be back in a couple weeks. We're joined today by two guests, not one, but two guests. And the first one is David Ruck. David Ruck is the president and producer at uh, Great Lakes Outreach Media. And he is the director, I guess, of this fantastic film, The Eerie Situation. And also our good friend, Hall of Fame guest, Stephanie Gondola, maritime archaeologist and resource protection coordinator at the Thunder Bay. Uh, oh, my gosh. What do you all call it? Thunder Bay uh, National Marine Sanctuary. Yes, I just think of it as Thunder Bay now. We're so, we're so we're on familiar terms. David, how are you today? Stephanie, how how are y'all both today? Wonderful. Glad to be here. Excited. Yes, absolutely. So exciting to be on this illustrious podcast, teach me about the Great Lakes, because that's what we love to do is learn about the Great Lakes. I'm. Just, what is a Hall of Fame? What does that mean, Stephanie? What? How did you get this title? It's pretty special, David. You may graduate to such a title someday. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I've been on. I've been honored to be on a stewards program. I think this is my third visit. Jeez, op. No, what it does the way the way it actually works to become a hall of famer. And when I click end on whatever the recording thing is, I think to myself, that person was a hall of famer. <laughs> there you go. And then uh, if so, you are inducted. Yeah. And uh, if I don't think that, then they're not. And that's okay. Most of our guests are not hall of famers, but uh, but but some are. And uh, so then there's no induction ceremony. There are no rights, no privileges, certainly no cash. I, st- I feel like the pressure's on, though. It is. It is. Well, I mean, it is because I'm going to click end. We're on Zoom and I'm going to click end at one point, And then uh, and then um, I will either think to myself, that was a Hall of Famer or I won't. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the pressure is on. Well, so here's a question. <laughs> Eerie situation. Um, I guess we can start. So for the people who aren't familiar, I'm peeking a little bit. If people who aren't familiar, tell us, uh, give, give us the broad strokes of the, the, the film, and then I'm going to talk, I think, in some detail uh, about um, how you got interested in it. But broad strokes, what's this about? It's really about the the dire situation that one of our Great Lakes finds itself in on an annual basis. Harmful algal blooms in Lake Erie and what's being done about it, what's not being done about it, uh, what sort of drivers are responsible for it, who's impacted by it, what's impacted by it. 
and uh, and it's it's a really great overview of the science, uh, the policy, uh, public sentiment surrounding this 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 very complex issue that if you pay attention to the media, especially if you're from Ohio, because this is your backyard, you know, you might get an article here or there about a very specific topic related to harmful algal blooms in Lake Erie. This is trying to make sense of it all, put it in one place so that the average citizen can have an educated conversation about this and and hopefully feel moved to, you know, participate more uh, in, in, in the process of influencing decision makers, let's say, on, on, on taking meaningful steps to actually address this issue, because it's not just going to be happening there, which it is, uh, but we're seeing these harmful algal blooms globally uh, increase in scope and scale. Like it's said in the film, Lake Erie is the canary in the coal mine for the Great Lakes because of its depth and susceptibility to changes more rapidly than some of the other lakes. So what's happening there could be happening elsewhere. So it's kind of a warning as well. And so you chose for entry point, though, is uh, Toledo. Was it 2014, maybe? Um, there was a period, or maybe not your entry point, but, but part of the focus of it is there was this period of several days, two or three days, I think three days, where they couldn't drink their water, right? Because the algal blooms were so bad, it was it overwhelming the treatment plant, I guess. They couldn't keep up. Was that the deal? That, well, yeah, back back then, that th- things have changed largely uh, in terms of preparedness for such a thing. Uh, they haven't solved the problem, but like, at the time, they weren't equipped in any way, shape, or form to have uh, advanced warning systems to to tell the water treatment managers if something like a harmful algal bloom full of microcystin was going to enter their plant. And that and that's exactly what happened. This bloom migrated over their intake, which is about three miles offshore in Lake Erie, entered the plant unbeknownst to the plant personnel, and found its way into the service district. Uh, which, of course, created alarm statewide, uh, made national news, and you know around six hundred thousand people were told, you know, don't don't drink this water, don't don't shower in it, don't bathe in it, and you know, much less drink it. I, got, I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be a wake up call and create the needed, you know, that that was the environment needed to create the change necessary to meaningfully address this 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 issue this crisis and really nothing's changed and well things have changed in terms of the uh like the warning system you were saying right but so so they've worked on that side but in terms of the actual inputs not not a lot different there yeah and that's the thing like there's millions of dollars being spent to study the lake um and you know we've 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 learned a lot we're a we're really a global leader in terms of monitoring water quality because of the condition of Lake Erie. It's basically a living science project. Come, come here, do your research here, do science here. It's great for that. But in terms of solving the actual problem, the words you'll hear come from uh, elected officials would make you one believe that they're dealing with the issue, like with the program like H2 Ohio, the way they talk about it is like, look what we're doing for water quality. When, when in reality, it's 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 more kicking the can down the road. It does nothing to really 
limit or reduce the drivers for harmful algal blooms. But, you know, it's still, it, it's a great program. It just needs to be talked about differently. We should invest in wetlands. We should invest, uh, invest in water technology. We should invest in cover crops and, and all these things. We should, we should be doing that. But is it, is it actually solving the problem? Is it addressing the actual drivers of the problem? And, and that's, that's something that can be debated. I mean, even the Ohio EPA has said, you know, somewhere between 80 and 90% of the nutrient loading going into Lake Erie comes from agricultural runoff. So their own Department of uh, Environmental Quality has, has, has stated that. And any scientist studying the issue knows that. You know, you're hoping to kind of get the message out and help spur action and things like that. But but very little has changed. Very little meaningful has changed in terms of actually working on the harmful algal bloom, pre- preventing them. Well, let's let, let, let's talk about farming, because the Farm Bureau wrote a 1500 word response to my film two days after it premiered at the Cleveland Film Festival, where it won the global health competition, saying that my film concluding that it was unconscionable and without merit, which Honestly, like I'll put that up on the wall next to any awards that it's gotten, because if you've upset the Farm Bureau, then you're probably doing something right. Um, and and really what I conclude from that is they want to put a drop, a wedge between the farming community and this film. It's not that I mean, basically, they don't want anyone to watch it. They don't want anyone in their you know, that they they feel that they're representing to watch this because heaven forbid someone, you know, think put on their critical thinking cap. If you want to be an organic farmer, if you're, you know, soil health is a priority for you. If you're a new farmer trying to start out and get your feet underneath you, there's just very little, very little like a pittance in that 450-ish billion dollars in the farm bill to to incentivize farming farmers to do the right thing the the incentives pull you the opposite direction they pull you away from healthy food away from sustainable agriculture away from really anything that's good for the us or the planet and uh, you know steers you the opposite way so you know what are we left with well we're left with farmers leaving the profession their kids don't want to do this they're having to sell their land give up this thing that they love you know farmers the ones that I've met, you know, the smaller farmers are, they're a special kind of person. Like they love what they do. They feel like it's a moral thing, you know, like we're feeding the country. Um, they're hardworking. They're innovative. They, they love what they do. But the cards are stacked against them in terms of the the system supporting them. And what is the system supporting? Well, the the lobby, which is it's either first or second in the nation in terms of funding and resources to get their spin across is 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 really pushing incentives for these giant agro firms and so as long as that's sort of the what's incentivized and encouraged and permitted to you know continue proliferating in places like Ohio and beyond you you you're going to see local and regional and national waterways continue to be threatened by the consequences of growing our food this way. 
thinking about the individual farmers versus the large incentives, right? And and the large incentive structures, which, uh, you know, an individual is just generally speaking are, are not going to be able to combat against that, right? And so it seems to me that like working on this problem requires working on those incentive structures, um, at, you know, through subsidies and things like that. Yeah. So I get the sense from you that, yeah, yeah, that you're, uh, you're, this seems like you weren't just doing this as an intellectual exercise. Like you seem pretty passionate about this stuff, right? This isn't just a film that you made. Um, is this something that, that, why, where does this passion come from? Do you think, is it your environmental stewardship or something else? I grew up on Lake Michigan. I, you know, I considered it to be like a family member or, you know, the, the wise person, you know, in the neighborhood, you know, my, my whole young life. And I've just always been drawn to the natural environment. And, you know, I went and I worked with Noah did some storytelling there. I, my first documentary was about a polluting chemical company near my, in my hometown. Um, I mean, for me, like initially, like these were kind of uh, stories that were a little bit like the, the, the X-Files shows that I was watching where there's this kind of unseen menace, you know, hit the, in this case, like hidden chemicals in the drinking water that, you know, you couldn't really see, but they were there and they could hurt you. And, and, and those kinds of elements like really drew me to that kind of storytelling. Um, in the case of, of this film in Lake Erie, you know, I, I went into it and I, and this is what I do. I don't try and go and explore a topic that I really know a whole lot about. I know that this is a, a great lake. I care about the great lakes. And that something was wrong with it. But like going into it, I knew nothing other than it turns this color of my shirt every summer. So I wanted to know why. And, you know, to, to, to me, like I have to go through this this process of being educated on the topic and feel like I have all those elements, you know, that are convincing to me in some way, shape or form or that I feel like, OK, I have a beginning, a middle and an end to this thing. Through that, like, I, I couldn't have had this conversation with you when I started. I wasn't an expert. You know, as as you as you learn things along the way, then, yeah, I think uh, a thinking person, I, I hope to consider myself one, you know, you, you will be, like, incensed as you learn more. And so I'm hoping that the film, which the process of making it's been my education on the subject. I hope that for audiences, it's, it's an education for them on the subject. Um, and that, you know, they become, you know, passionate as well. And and I do think like with an issue like this, I hear this from people in audiences where I go that, you know, like they're too afraid to have this conversation with people about the lake, about, harmful algal blooms because they don't feel like they know enough and the folks that are getting their information from the farm bureau like they're 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 given these little sound bites and these little nuggets of like oh they're attacking farmers oh you know the science is unsettled oh you know just these these little easy to say things and and i and on the other side of that um you know are folks that you know think there's something wrong they're not sure what it is. They'd like to know more about it. It it, it is. It is a very complex, dynamic issue. Uh, and I'm 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 hoping, and I think that a project like this puts all that into context, frames it in a way that's easy to understand, 
so that the folks who, you know, have some doubt about what they've been told to say, uh, who want to put some more thought into it, can can actually have a conversation that has a little more nuance and uh, to it. It's not. I'm basically like saying, like you know, like there's the meme culture, and then there's the, you know, like well, what is? Let's really get to what this is about. So I have a couple. This is good. Where can people see the film? And I, I want to make sure I say that. And then I have a couple of very specific questions. And then I want to bring it into a broader conversation about environmental films with the Great Lakes. Um, and and uh, we'll go there. But but first, but if someone wants to see it, um, other than of course at the Thunder Bay International Film Festival, that we'll talk about in a minute. Where can they go? Is it something they can see online, or what? Are the, what are people, or is it uh, largely festival circuit right now? It is still largely festivals and special events right now. Um, I just got back from being out of the country for a month, like four days ago. So I haven't looked on our website calendar on any events that are scheduled. But if you go to www.theeriesituation.com and then click on events, there's a there's a list of events there. I'm, I'm sure that there's a couple coming up, one of which we're going to be talking about with Stephanie at the Thunder Bay International Film Festival. There's another PBS screening that's going to come up sometime, probably late spring, early summer, uh, for a number of different PBS affiliates. We've been on PBS once. Yeah, and then eventually we do we do intend to have this on some sort of on-demand platform. We're get, we're already getting a lot of requests for that. Well, once it's there, we'll be sure to we'll be sure to let our listeners know if they haven't been able to make it to a film festival yeah. or something. But so, so my question is this: You have these big things. You have this big story you want to tell, but you have to find people to tell the story, right? Otherwise, it's just you up there ranting. Um, and and so you find sort of this is the process of making a documentary: is you find some protagonists and 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 I'm just curious as someone I, I'm not a filmmaker. You know, so this one guy, the, the one you start with is this guy named Ken Sabin, I think is how he probably pronounces his name. Um, and you'll also see people like uh, our good friend Eddie Verhamey is on there. But but so when you hear Ken, I guess here's my question. First of all, he's perfect, right? Um, uh, he's a boat builder in Point Place, Ohio. And you see him and he's got a really uh, striking look. And then I guess my question is this. When you first heard him speak and he has that distinctive gravelly kind of voice, did you just do like a little fist pump and say, this is my guy? Or, you know, how did you know? Um, uh, how, did, how do you get in touch with someone like that? And how do you know when it's the right person to talk to, I suppose? Ken actually got in touch with me. You know, we had been posting some photos along the way on the Great Lakes Outreach Media page. And somehow he came across them and he started Facebook messaging me videos that he had taken from his sailboat of algae blooms. Some of those videos are in the film towards the beginning there. Uh, and and he just kind of kept messaging me. So I'm in Ohio. I'm working on all this. And, um, you know, in the background, I'm focused on the science and all these scientists and and, and trying to make sure I understand the science. And spending a lot of time down there. And in the background is this guy kind of messaging me from time to time. You know, eventually I was like, okay, I got to, I got to meet with this, this guy. He's, you know, he's across town. We're going to go meet up with him. We show up and he thinks that I'm going to give him a lecture and his friends a lecture on explaining what's going on with their lake. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're interested to know what you think about the lake because you're, you know, you, you've been on it. You sent me these videos. You seem pretty excited about it. I'm I'm curious what you think. And 
he was sort of like, oh, okay, well, well, sure. You know, we'll talk to these people and talk to these people. And Ken to me was, was kind of uh, the perfect person to, to, to help tell this story because he loves the lake. He's, he, he directly engages with the lake and he's got these harmful algal blooms in this marina of his. And, and yet he's not really sure what they are and he's not really sure what's causing them. He thinks he's been sick because of them. Um, and he thinks that it's affecting his friends, his, people's businesses. And he just, he just kind of wants to understand why. And, and that's kind of an ideal protagonist in a way, uh, because he's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have an ax to grind per se. He's not like out after a specific thing. He's just wants to understand the situation. And I think, you know, I've seen through knowing Ken and him being involved with the film, like I've seen him go from a guy we met one morning in Point Place, Ohio, who was confused as to why we were there to someone who actively participates in public meetings. He's always showing up at our screenings and offering his, his experience. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of become a, a, a champion for this issue in his own way, uh, which is helpful to the other folks in his community who have questions about this. Um, so, you know, like in, in, in any story, you, you, you know, you just, you just, you, you never know how those stars are going to align to present somebody like Ken, who, you know, essentially found us and found the film. And so now let's bring it into this bigger idea, right? Stephanie, have I even introduced you yet? I think I have. If not, Stephanie Gondula, Maritime Archaeologist and Resource Protection Coordinator at the Thunder Bay um, National Marine Sanctuary. So I guess first, let's do the whole deal. So when is the film festival? What do people need to do to see it? And then I want to talk about how you think about programming this and what, what, you know, what the stories that you're telling are and what do you think impact that has, I suppose. But first, when is it? I understand that after two years or more of uh, virtual festivals, there's a big, big announcement uh, to make here. That's right. So this will be the 11th annual Thunder Bay International Film Festival. And very exciting because it is indeed, like you mentioned, the first time we'll be back in person since January of 2020. So we did get our 2020 festival in before the world changed. And we were also able to maintain a virtual presence throughout the pandemic. But let me tell you, there's something really special about a film festival in person. Uh, you get to, you know, meet the filmmakers and hear those stories that we've been listening to from uh, from David Rock about the the process and about meeting these these people, the the players of the, the important topics and issues that we're covering. So, uh, a lot of the things that that David said really resonate as far as why a national marine sanctuary based in the Great Lakes would put on a Ocean and Great Lakes Film Festival. Um, we are, there's lots and lots of reasons, but um, we are indeed connected to a national system. And so uh, the National Marine Sanctuary System protects over 600,000 square miles of America's natural and cultural resources underwater. So they're underwater parks. Important thing about them is they are accessible. Um, we celebrate the accessibility of these places. And when you bring that to the Great Lakes, uh, the health of the waters, the, one of the, the, the topic, I suppose, that David covers in his, his film, The Erie Situation, 
is the, the health of these places and accessibility is tied very closely to that. I can't go too long without mentioning shipwrecks, which is which is why Thunder Bay National Marine Sanctuary was designated. The reason for the season, yeah. yeah. The reason for the season, that's right. Um, we've got just a few shipwrecks and we've got almost 100 that we've documented and we estimate there's at least that many more yet to be found. So um, this, this film festival is one of our biggest, um, most far-reaching outreach programs here at the, at the uh, sanctuary, which is headquartered in Alpena, Michigan. And that's where the film festival is in our, in our visitor center, which is 10,000 square feet of cool exhibits. So when you come for a film festival, which I'm assuming all your listeners will be inspired to do um, and catch uh, David's film on Friday night um, during our Great Lakes Gala, you can take a break from watching movies and explore the exhibits that uh, talk all about our, our rich maritime history here in the Great Lakes. And I guess, you know, I could go on and on about shipwreck stories, but um, we, I'll let you guide the discussion, Stuart. And, and Yeah, no, that's good. I want to, we'll have to have you back. I want to talk about shipwreck stories. I want to talk about your Lakey nominated glass bottom boat rides um, and, and all of this. Uh, but but uh, that'll have to be a different episode because yeah, we don't have time. Um, one question I do have, well, actually, I have a couple of questions. One is, so it's unusual for a, uh, a, a national park or whatever, or a marine sanctuary to host a film festival, right? Uh, so how did that idea get started? And, and why do you, I mean, you, you sort of beat around why you do it, but what, what, what do you think we gain from doing this other than getting a chance to see cool films by uh, cool people? Yes. So it is, it is definitely that seeing cool films by cool people. And even more so, I mean, we're, we're really fortunate here in Alpena that our sanctuary headquarters is also a, a community center, if you will. It's free and open year round. So those exhibits, including our 100 seat theater where the film festival is, you know, that's the core of it. Um, it. It's really a place where people gather. And so that's afforded the sanctuary to offer really enriching programming. And the film festival is, is one example of that programming. So bringing these films, and of course, we, we don't do this um, in a vacuum. We, we, we rely on partnerships, not only with filmmakers like David, but um, with other film uh, festival entities like the International Ocean Film Festival based in California. They curate hundreds and hundreds of ocean films every single year. So they're, they're collecting the, the latest in ocean issues, um, the latest in ocean filmmaking. And we're able to, to partner with them and get those films and then, of course, we love to add relevant um, Great Lakes content. And so the, I guess one of the main reasons it's important to have a, a program like the Film Festival is it's really bringing issues that you're not going to see many other places. I mean, we'll have, in addition to the Erie situation, we're going to have dozens and dozens of other films talking about the latest science happening um, in, in shark research, the latest science happening in acidification in both our ocean and Great Lakes. Um, I could go on and on with the topics, the latest um, in, and greatest in cool surfing picks. Um, so there's, it really runs the gamut of the topics, but the key is, you know, it's exposure. You're not going to get these topics, these um, the treatment of these topics, many other places. And when you have skilled filmmakers like David that really educate the audience so then they're empowered that's one of the things David said I really loved is his goal one of his goals is to make sure that everyday people like you and me Stuart can understand these issues that are important for us to understand so we can take action and 
that's what I mean. That's what these films are all about that you're going to see at the Thunder Bay International Film Festival. Personally, you, as a, as someone who's been many times, plus I work for Noah, so I I have a lot of friends there. Um, you know, you, you've and you feel like Stephanie does a great job putting it on. Uh, and and if you go, uh, go again. You know, and, and it becomes this kind of reunion, and and really fun, um, unique unique experience for all the reasons Stephanie mentioned. Obviously, I'm not trying to talk over her, but. Uh, it's a lot of it's a it's a great it's a great it's an it's unique and it's fun and with the museum there you can you can you know step aside and go tour a a model of a ship and uh it's just it's great it's a great place to do something like this so Stuart, have you been to a film festival before yourself I haven't. Actually, this is what I was thinking about. I was just thinking about it. I have attended the Thunder Bay Film Festival virtually uh, with the Thunder Pass. Yeah. Um, but uh, I envision, so this is what I want to know. Are there, are there, I, I feel like there are, are receptions with like mm-hmm. sipping wine. Is <laughs> Absolutely. Because what is a festival without okay. yummy food and, and, and beverages for sure. So what I love about a film festival uh, is, especially environmental film festivals, is the celebration of the the topics and the issues that you're that you're talking about and there's nothing like the power of watching a film in a theater with people i mean it's different we of course we love watching movies at home we all do that <laughs> but there's there's something powerful with you know when you see that amazing imagery on the screen of the you know the shark feeding frenzy or maybe some terrifying imagery uh, on the screen um, of, of the harmful algal bloom that these people, you know, out of Toledo have to drink yeah, that like water. Gross green. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Beautifully shot, disgusting water. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is the most beautiful, gross. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or just um, seeing cultures from, you know, uh, sh- coastal cultures from around the world. When you're, when you're experiencing that in the theater with people, it's, it's a, irreplaceable experience and then as a festival you have the opportunity to talk about these issues while sipping wine <laughs> <laughs> so so those conversations are kind of integral to it right is getting to inner and it sounds like if you get a crew so one thing good advice that i got um during my postdoc uh i was at a postdoc at purdue actually before i went on to work for texas sea grant and my postdoc mentor linda Procopi is her name she's amazing she's working on these ag issues um she just got a very large uh, research project called uh, about sustainable ag um trying to just rethink the way that we do ag in the midwest and and so it's uh it, i mean it touches right in on this stuff but she said you got to find a conference to go to and go to that conference every year because then you get a cohort of people right and maybe they're people who you work with exactly or maybe it's just people who you interact with and learn from and become friends and colleagues with and and things like that so it never occurred to me that this film festival might be a chance for kind of that same thing all right so i'm sold i mean i'm not actually sold because i have three children under the age of 10 but (laughs) but um but i'm sold that i want to do it once they're older but for those of us who want to do it now what do we do how do we get these tickets and where do we go well right now um, you can get a great holiday gift Uh, the thunder pass is available for sale at thunderbayfriends.org that is only a hundred bucks heck of a great deal it's gonna it's your all access pass to the festival so that think about it that's almost a hundred films um locally catered great um food and beverages and so that's what you want you want to go to thunderbayfriends.org purchase your thunder pass let's say you can't do the whole weekend um you can buy session tickets for ten dollars each and when i say a session 
there's 16 of those throughout the entire weekend. And, you know, it's not just one film that you're going to see in a session. You're going to see anywhere from four to 10 films, depending on the length. Those sessions usually are about two hours long. And so what you need to do is just um, set your GPS for Alpena, Michigan and head north on beautiful uh, Highway 23, cruise up Lake Huron and, and meet us in Alpena. It's beautiful and snowy that time of year. So maybe allow a couple, uh, an hour extra drive. Well, watch time. out for elk <laughs> on your way there. That's right. <laughs> so I'm looking, it's just, it's like the one, right? It's the one, if you're doing the Michigan hand deal, oh. it's basically the one Alpena. Your index. index finger. That's yeah. right. Pointer. It depends yeah. how, what so you, you how you do a GPS. one. Yes. <laughs> but yes, your index oh. finger. <laughs> Isn't this the way I didn't know. I mean, there's another way, but I wouldn't do that on air. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> okay, fantastic. Uh, that's great. But also this year, something else I want to talk about. So I was thinking about as we were going through the Lakey's nominations, which are actually out. Um, uh, and and so one of the reasons that, that uh, y'all were runner up for the um, thing you were entered in is because of this great work you're doing with students, right? And these glass bottom boats. And, and so we love work with students. And so I think you're trying to do some student work with the film festival as well, right? Why don't you tell us about that? That's right. This is one of my favorite programs with the festival because um, you know, during the weekend, of course, we get lots of um, high school students and, and, and adults, but mainly adults coming for the for the festival. But we want the kids, you know, the, our future stewards to to experience these Ocean and Great Lakes films and learn about. I mean, they're learning about not only the topics that we, we've been going over, but they're learning about new career paths who maybe some of them would be inspired by what David's cool job. Right. And so we take into the classroom, we will take what we call the sanctuary sneak peek. And it's about a two hour long program where we go into junior high and high school age classrooms. Um, part of the, you know, the sanctuary team will go, will show a selection of films. Once again, they're not going to see these films most other places. There's a few you might be able to catch on Netflix or online, but for the most part, they're, you're not. these students are, this is the only place they can see these films. They're learning about issues maybe they've never even heard about. Um, and then we stick around and have a great conversation with, uh, with the students, with their teachers. And it's a fun sanctuary sneak peek as is a big part of the film festival every year. And then if for some reason we're not able to make it up to Alpena, um, or we make it up to Alpena and we want to see more films, we're not done. We said we want more. <laughs> Give us more. Is there any other way that people can get involved with the film festival absolutely so since we did go virtual through the pandemic we learned how to do it and so why not continue the virtual part of film festival will run from february 1st through february 12th and the cool thing about that if you did purchase the thunder pass to see it in person here in alpina that thunder pass is also going to get you in free to the virtual really? festival. It, it really will. All this so for a hundred bucks. Are can you, you believe kidding? it? Yeah. That's yeah. the best value in the great lakes. It really yeah. is. It really is. And another, you know, just to add, you know, we talked about the glass bottom boat, but I will throw in if, if January is not a time you want to be on the road, I understand that come back in July and our, you know, hop on the glass bottom boat. And we actually have other film programming in our theater um, year round. So, you could still come experience uh, films, and it's it's a little warmer in July in uh, in Alpena. 
well, this is really fascinating. And you should do that. Go to Thunder Bay Friends, get get all your Thunder passes and see. It's really great. It's really great. I was really glad to see some of that last year. And, and while I won't be there in person, I, I'm going to uh, probably participate again. And it's great for kids. Our kids loved it, too. Um, so that was super. But, uh, you know, so it's been really great talking to you, Stephanie, and uh, again, and you, David, about kind of uh, filmmaking and the eerie, you know, this really important film that you have and the drivers on this important algal blooms issue and, and what have you. But that's actually not why we invited you on Teach Me About the Great Lakes this week. The reason we invite you on Teach Me About the Great Lakes asks two questions, the first of which is this. If you could have a great donut for breakfast or a great sandwich for lunch, which would you choose? And we'll start with David. Because Stephanie, we've we've heard from once or twice on this one. This isn't fair because I will do both. I would do both. I will I will start my day with a donut and I will have a great sandwich at lunch. So what? what how do I answer? Uh, you answer it by picking one of the two. So you have those two. You're right. And then the way you answer is you select one. I will drive down to Wesco here. You know, local local gas station that doesn't. Um, excellent job. They've got a bakery, you know, somewhere that makes all these wonderful donuts and pastries. And I will go in there and I will get the uh, the one that with the yellow, the, the the lemon frosting or the lemon filling and the white frosting with a little yellow stripedies across the top. And I'll get that and I will eat it and I will I will regret it. But I'll do it, and and I feel good about it while I'm eating it, and then ten minutes later wonder why I made that decision. But that you know, because I'm I'm 42 now, I shouldn't be doing these things. But that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Well, that's what we want. You know, the thing is, it's just like in your filmmaking. You want to be honest, right? Uh, you want to represent uh, the truth, or at least your perspective on the truth. And and so uh, I think it's the same thing here. That is what you would do. Stephanie, so you're a sandwich person, I remember. Has that changed? The thing is, we've had a lot of pandemic, yeah. which can make any sandwich person a donut person, right? That's so true. You know what I would do? And this probably isn't fair or I'm breaking the rules. But, you know, just thinking of David's good point that we set <laughs> these decisions, I might have half a donut and then half a sandwich. See, I tried to answer that way and you said I couldn't, though. <laughs> Well, the thing is, are you in the Hall of Fame? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. Let me look at the list. Of I've earned of- it. No, no, no. I've earned it. That's the one privilege. <laughs> that's the one privilege. Yep, that's it. I didn't realize there was a privilege until Stephanie said that. And then, uh, so that's the one privilege. Okay, half a sandwich, half a donut, the old combo. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, so, so you, you, let's see, Hungry Hippie. Is that the place you sent us to once? Oh, maybe so. Maybe I did. But I have an, um, and they're outstanding. I mean, Alpina, we've got some great places to eat. Uh but my new favorite donut, which I definitely, I'm kind of more of a savory and sandwich person, but I feel like a donut right now. And I would get a cherry donut. This is very Michigan. A cherry donut with chocolate frosting is my new favorite. Fantastic. A cherry donut. Where? What is the place? What is the place? There's a little place um, here in Alpena. It's called the Galley, the Galley Sweet Shop. Yeah. Okay. And it's um, it's new and yeah. And then I guess since I am um, a Hall of Famer and I get to have half a sandwich as well, I would go home for my half a sandwich because uh, we just made some really good local bacon, which I, we try very hard to eat our local foods. And, and even though it is bacon, which isn't necessarily the healthiest thing, but it sure is darn tasty. And I would have um, a BLT. In fact, I'm, as soon as we hang up, I'm heading home to have a BLT. You're going to have a BLT? It's December. Where are you getting the teas? What kind of teas are you having in well, December? Well, Those teas are going to be that's tea good. for tasteless, but maybe the B is good enough to make up for the tea. Yeah, it's a good, it's good B and some fresh um, local bread. So local bacon and maybe not local tomatoes, but, you know. 
local to the planet we are. That's, <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, this is running way too long. I've been screwed around too much. It's my <laughs> fault, not yours. But David, briefly then, um, the, one other thing we'd like to do, is, the reason why we like to talk to filmmakers and artists in addition to the sort of the, the nerdy scientists we like to talk to is because we think that the Great Lakes are an important sort of resource. And we want people to think of it as a place, a place with meaning and a place with beauty. And so one way that we like to do that is by sharing places that are special to are asking our guests to share places that are special to them. So is there a place in the Great Lakes that's really special to you that you would share? And uh, if so, what makes it so special? I was blessed by the fact that I grew up on one of the Great Lakes. I grew up on Lake Michigan and uh, my folks have this little slice of property, but our, their neighbors had this, you know, I don't know how many thousand frontage feet. And we kind of took care of that for them because they weren't always around and they have this spot that if I wander through the woods, I walk up the backside of this dune and and it opens up into what's called a blowout where, you know, it's forested on one side, forested on the other side. And then this big bowl shape with dune grass everywhere. And there's this one solo white pine tree that's probably the same age as I am because like I remember it being about six feet tall and now it's like 40 feet tall. And it just looks out at this vista of Lake Michigan. And I and I go there at all hours of the day or night, all seasons. And uh, being a photographer and a videographer, I, I love to go out there and just think, uh, run around with my dog. And it's, uh, you know, there's usually no one else there, obviously. Uh, but it's it's just this step back in time really of this untouched like place and uh for me it's just kind of where i go to reflect and um you know really be thankful for the life experience that i've had of 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 having such a close connection to the to the to this lake in particular but like you know to me you know the lakes are not just the lakes but the the things that surround them and, 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 you know, with that white pine um, sort of that, I don't even know how it survives some of the wind conditions that go howling through there, you know, just standing sentinel at this spot and having gone through all these winters. And it's just this reminder that nature is powerful and nature is uh, beautiful. And, uh, regardless of what decisions we make as people um, to care for the planet, like I think that the planet will turn around and, and will be just fine. It's, 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 but it will deal with us and, and in some way, shape or form. Um, and that's the place I go to, to be reminded of that. That's beautiful. Thanks. How about you, Stephanie? Um, is there another beautiful place or special place? You would like to send well, goodness, pressure's on to have a deep philosophical answer. Like, I know to follow that up. Yeah, whiz. I mean, you could just pick like a. You know, <laughs> there's a place where like the wind sounds like farts or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do love ever since I moved here. So I'm I'm not from the Great Lakes, and so when I first moved here and spent my first winter, I remember being in awe of the sounds the ice makes along the shoreline of Lake Huron. I'm very fortunate to live just a couple blocks from the lake. And man, when I first heard that, that, you know, clinking and crashing, and I was like, what is that noise? So right now, and I probably have a different answer anytime you ask, but right now, 
the winter shoreline um, of Lake Huron is my favorite spot. Fantastic. That sounds neat. Literally sounds neat, I guess, in this case. Well, everybody, I encourage you to go to uh, Thunder Bay Friends, period, org, because it's an organization, I guess, and uh, get a Thunder Pass. And also go to the Erie Situation. That's a .com, right, David? Yeah. And uh, look at that work. And also look at the work. We'll put a link to David's done some really our area of concerns videos he did, um, which uh, we were talking about with Chris Korleski ah. a couple weeks ago. And those are really nice. And so let's uh, let's check those out as well. I didn't get into those. So the staff will say, why didn't you get into those? And I'll say, because we're talking about shout out to Rini and Pat. Oh, always, always, always a shout out to Reedy and Pat. They deserve many, many shouts out. Uh, anyway, but uh, thank you, Stephanie Congula, who is the research coordinator, I think. And, um, or is that your old title? That's my old title. I'm now the resource protection coordinator and um... research protection coordinator and also maritime archaeologist. Uh, and David Ruck, who is the uh, president and producer with Great Lakes Outreach Media. Thanks to both of you uh, for these beautiful films, this wonderful film festival, and teaching us all about the Great Lakes. Thanks a lot to both Stephanie and David for coming on and, and uh, talking to us about the film and the film festival. They're both uh, really great, right? Uh, the film festival sounds awesome. I can't wait to be able to go eventually, but I'm going to be virtual at least uh, until the kids are old enough to travel to a film festival. I don't know if they'll be there drinking wine. They might sip wine at a certain age, but at least uh, I can be around sipping wine without having to worry about like um, having to go make peepees or poopies with them. Uh, so we'll get there. We ain't there yet. And uh, thanks to David. Uh, the film was really worth checking out. Uh, if you can find a showing, they'll show it again on PBS. We will try to remember. I can't imagine we would forget, but we will try to remember to uh, to remind you during the episode sometime over the summer when they're going to show it again. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in a couple weeks with another interview. Teach Me About the Great Lakes is brought to you by the fine people of Illinois, Indiana Sea Grant. We encourage you to check out the great work we do at iicgrant.org and at ILINC Grant on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. At least for now. Teach Me About the Great Lakes is produced by Hope Charters, Megan Gunn, and Rini Miles. Carolyn Foley is our senior producer. Ethan Chitty is our associate producer and fixer. Our super fun podcast artwork is by Joel Davenport. Thank you, Joel. And the show is edited by the awesome Quinn Rose. And I encourage you to check out her work at aspiringrobot.com. If you have a question or comment about the show, please email it to teachmeaboutthegreatlakes at gmail.com or leave a message on our hotline, 765-496-IISG. You can also follow the show on Twitter, Teach Great Lakes. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And, of course, keep grading those lakes. Beep, 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 beep.